and welcome to the A to Z Sports Preds Nashcast, aka April Hockey that isn't playoff hockey feels wrong. I am your host, Alex Darty, and I'm joined by my co-host Chris Link. Today on the show, the Predators had a roller coaster of a week. They they beat Dallas, they beat Tampa 7-2, and then they lose two straight to Carolina. Um, we will assess those games and, and what they tell us about the team's state right now. Uh, and then the big topic today is going to be on chemistry, something I wasn't very good at in college or in high school. Uh, it's a big topic on the team right now because the, the roster is changing a little bit with guys coming back from injury and you know one, one traded player arriving and then, of course, all the injuries. So we're going to talk about chemistry and what that means for a hockey team, uh, especially going into a playoff push. And then a look ahead at the Preds week with a big series against Chicago. They play three games against Chicago this week, which could decide the season. So, um, welcome, Link. How are you doing? I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing pretty well. I also, I will say, I wasn't. I was okay at chemistry. It, it was a problem for me in college because I decided that was the class I never wanted to go to in my first sem- <laughs> my first semester. Uh, so, I, I you know I somehow got a C despite never going to class. Um, so I don't know what that says about me in chemistry. But, you know. When my only to... memory of chemistry in high school, uh, the, the one thing I did well, so this was like, this would have been 1999. This is a while ago. This was like sophomore year of high school for me. Uh, I made a PowerPoint presentation. Now, mind you, in 1999, there weren't a lot of PowerPoint presentations you know, going on. If you if you had a PowerPoint presentation in 1999, you were kind of ahead of the curve. Did you have some white power- animations? Oh yeah, I had all I had all of it. Good. All of the all of the like the 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 do not do this on PowerPoints in 1999. You know, weren't around, so I was basically setting the standard for what not to do. Me and wow. you know a few other people. I did a PowerPoint presentation on potassium, and uh, wow, nice. There you go. I remember that, and I got a good grade on that. That's about all I did. Wow. Do you have? At but least we're going to talk about banana. Do what now? Do you have at least one photo of a banana in that PowerPoint? I, I want to say I had a GIF of a banana. A GIF, wow. You I mean, were, an you animated... Were, you were making, like... You were doing Natural Predators <laughs> blogging before the Natural Predators existed. No, they were around in 98. So, yeah, right when they started. Before right they were when yellow, they started. Though, long before they were yellow. You were you were a bit of an auger seeing the future. <laughs> That's right. I, yeah, I'll, I I would love to find that presentation. There's no way it still exists on this earth, but I would that would be so awesome to find. It's probably on a, on a floppy... Well, I say a floppy disk. One of those little... Uh, I can, what's the, what are they called? Like a, a memory stick? Not the three and a half inch floppies, but like the. I was um, probably on some sort of like a. Mem- I worked at Circuit City back then, so I had all the tech. As a sophomore, you worked at, at Circuit City. As a sophomore in high school, maybe maybe it was that later. I'm pretty sure I worked at Circuit City around 2000. Maybe it was maybe okay. it was just before that. The Circuit so City I'm, closed. I'm learning all about you in, in Circuit <laughs> City. I have. Circuit City was uh, a very unique job. We'll have to talk about that at some point. But <laughs> yeah, if the, when, if the predators get really, really bad again, we'll just talk about <laughs> Circuit City. We'll talk about first jobs. <laughs> so, all right, let's talk about last week real quick because um, they had very high highs and then they had some some pretty low lows. Um, let's start with Dallas. First of all, um, Dallas seems to be fading somewhat, although they still obviously have a, a chance to to take the playoff spot over Nashville if Nashville doesn't have a good week. But um, they, the, the Predators get a 3-2 to two shootout win. Uh, Roman Yossi and, and Jakob Trenin get goals, and then Ryan Johansson gets a goal in the overtime, and then UC Soros shuts him out in the, shoot, in the shootout. UC Soros has been uh, a very 
He's been their best player, I think, in in a lot of ways uh, throughout this throughout this week. So the Dallas win, and then the Tampa win, seven to two. I, I don't think anyone saw that coming. They needed to beat Tampa, and they did. So, what were your thoughts on these for on those first two games that resulted in wins for the Predators? Uh, you know, the, the, it's kind of what I expect from Dallas at this point to be a little bit like I can't quite figure out what to make of them, and they're not. I think they should be a little bit better. They're not. They're struggling. They kind of suck. But they st- but the Predators keep giving them points. Everyone keeps giving Dallas a point here, a point there. Mm-hmm. Um, it and at this point, I'm I'm fairly confident that they're probably fortunate to be as high in the standings as they are. They probably shouldn't have gone to overtime quite so many games. Uh, but here they are. I mean, people keep giving them points, and if Dallas figure something out or something clicks and they go on a run like a Nashville style run, even if it's pure luck, it could spell the end of the season for the Predators. That's that's the dangerous thing here with giving these points away to Dallas and and why the team really should have played this game a little bit tighter um, is, you know, Dallas goes on a little streak. All of a sudden the Predators are in trouble. There's yeah. a threat where there's a need to be because they keep giving points. It's not just Nashville. Everyone's having this issue with Dallas for one reason or another. The Tampa game, I mean, Tampa's having issues right now, whether it be injuries or, injuries, or something yeah. wrong in the team. It, it, you know, the, the Predators really were kicking a team while they were down, and it's hockey. You have to do that. If a team is struggling, get in there, finish them, don't show any mercy. And the Predators really, I mean, they looked dominant. They just, they looked like they knew this was a team, this was a team that was in trouble, and they just yeah. pounced, and they did not let up. Uh, and, and I think that was um, just really showing a team that had regained confidence only to then, of course, have it smashed in their faces. The, the Predators, they won 7-2. They were, they were up 3 nothing after the first, 4-1 after the second. Uh, Roman Yossi and Victor Arvidsson both had three points on the night. And then again, UC Saros was strong. I think this is the game after, after the game, the coach for the Lightning, John Cooper, was not happy. He was like, this is the most embarrassing loss we've had. I think all the players said that too. Like they, when you, when you can embarrass the defending champions like that, like you hang your hat. I mean, like feel good about yourself. That's yeah, that's I, impressive. Yeah. I mean, Tampa had, I mean, they've been struggling and they had probably the worst night of their season against Nashville. So it's one of those things you win the game. Like, do we deserve it? I mean, yeah, you, you earned and won the game. Is it going to happen again? Probably not. Mm-hmm. So you know, go and, and have a little celebration and live it up and enjoy it. And, you know, I was hoping that was going to be a big, big confidence booster for the team and, and get a little belief going uh, before they ran to the wall that is the Carolina Hurricanes, the storm wall, if you wanted to be real cute about it. Exactly. And that that's what's kind of happened over the last few weeks is the the real top team in the in the Central is now pretty clearly the Carolina Hurricanes. It. it it was it was definitely Tampa earlier on in the year, but again they've had injuries. They've kind of lost a little bit of their mojo. <clears throat> Carolina is the team to beat. I mean they they finally have found. I mean they've always been a very fast team. They've always had uh, a good defense. They've had you know some some contributors throughout the lineup. But when, the one thing they didn't have was goaltending, and they finally seem to have that with Peter Mrazek and then Nadelkovich, I think his name is. Yeah. Um, the, the, these these two guys finally have. I mean, they Carolina has never had consistent goaltending back. Even even when they won the cup, they just kind of managed to to win a cup by scoring a lot. So they they, they finally have goaltending, and they are they are a monster right now. Yeah, um, and and you know you brought up Mrazek, and and you know he just was <clears throat> playing so well. 
the, the thing that I was really encouraged by with the first Carolina game is that it really looked like teams who could go toe to toe. You know, uh-huh. it looked like they could go out there, and, and if you know, I I think it, this this was if if I just was looking back and saying, okay, I'm just gonna look at the stats, I'd come away saying either team could have won this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's true from what we saw. I think these were really even. It's just that Mrazek put on a show. I mean, he absolutely put on a show um, and kept it from being, a, you know, a 3-3 overtime game or something like that or, or even 4-3 Predators. or four. I mean, it could have gone any number of directions. Yeah. Um, so it's one of those losses that looks really bad um, when, when you see it. But there's a lot of positives for Nashville in that. Uh, in that first one or the second one, I mean, not so much. Yeah, the, the second one was pretty bad. Carolina essentially dominated that one. Um, it really wasn't even as, even as even as the score indicates. UC Soros played unbelievable at for, for the Predators. He had 45 saves, I believe, which is two away from a career high for him. And uh, wow, that could have been eight nothing. I mean, it was it was horrible watching the, the Nashville try to keep up with with Carolina. Um, they just were doing whatever. Now, it, it, they 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 did bounce back in the second period. I think I think it was like they, shots were like twenty seven to six after the first, and then I think Nashville bounced back in the second. But it, they were aghast by the end because Carolina mm-hmm. just just was skating all over them. I mean, it was just it's it was crazy to watch how how good they were at all levels. Um, I mean, Vincent Trocek is a guy that kind of came out of nowhere for me with them because like he, he really was kind of anonymous in Florida. I mean, he was always good, but like when you're, when you're with the Florida Panthers, uh, unless you're Alexander Barkov, you know, you really don't get a lot of credit. He's been great for Carolina. Vincent Trocek has been great for Carolina. I mean, like it's, that's a guy like he fits into that sort of system really well. I mean, he's got, he's second on the team in, in points and he's like, I mean, kind of came out of nowhere to do that. I mean, I, some people would challenge me on that and say Vincent Trocek's always been good. That's probably uh, true. Um, but <clears throat> I didn't see this coming. Uh, if, I didn't see well, if there's coming. if there's one thing Carolina's been good at, I mean, you know, because they're in the East, we don't we, we've never traditionally talked about them a lot. But they are, in my opinion, the last several seasons, really good at defining what their style is and going out and and just finding the right players for the system. Mm-hmm. Um. And ones that really fit. So, you know, you, you have to think that they saw Trojak and said, this is a guy who can come in, fit our system, complement the right players, and get work done. A lot of teams just say, you know, they say, oh, who's the big free agent on the market? Let's go acquire them. Or this guy looks really good. Let's acquire him. You know, and this goes into our conversation. It's not just always going out and getting the best player available mm-hmm. if it doesn't work for the team. And I think the NHL is lacking some sophistication in that area when it comes to player acquisition. Because um, you had a lot of things like, um, oh, you know, when everyone made a big deal about Taylor Hall going to the Bruins. It's like, <laughs> oh, what a mistake. You know, oh, they pick up this guy. He's like washed up over the hill. His best days are behind him. Like, you know, he can probably maybe be still effective for the right team. And he's just, he's what, he's already like doubled his goal total. Yeah. Over, you know, since he's been in Boston since okay. Monday. Like, yeah, I mean, it's just you're putting a player in a situation where he's going to be effective. Like, he, he was never put in an effective position when he was in, in Buffalo because of that organization's a mess. But Carolina's really good at knowing their business and playing to it, and everyone knows the system coming in. So Right, yeah. And 
so a, a lot of that has to do with chemistry and and that is kind of our main topic before we get to that i do just want to reiterate the uh the injury situation obviously philip forsberg is still out alex carrier is still out dante fabro ellie tolvin is still out but they did get matt duchene back on saturday um and uh, uh they also they of course um uh ryan ellis has been back for a while now so th- there's there's some guys starting to return back to the lineup and so I thought we'd talk about what this what this might do to the team chemistry as we as we see it and as we define it because that seems to be a pretty big topic for a lot of the a lot of fans right now because um you know this team won 13 of 16 games or whatever it was and had several impressive wins in there some 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 wins over just teams they need to beat like Detroit but they were they were playing really well and and uh there's there's a few key reasons for why they actually racked up all those wins that I'll talk about but when you hear this word chemistry thrown out so much about about a hockey team, um, how how would you? I guess how would you define what chemistry actually mm-hmm. looks like for a hockey team in general? Because yeah. I have an idea of what it is for me and and what I picture, what I see on the ice when I when I see something on the ice, I think, wow, that, those guys are really clicking. They, those guys have good chemistry. Um, because I want to define it first and then talk about whether or not they've actually had chemistry over the last few weeks and, and months. So. Uh, what, do, what do you think? Yeah, so I, when I saw this was our topic, I mean, I, I loved it just because I can take a lot of, you can take, there's a lot of different angles you can take <clears> with it and a lot of different approaches. So what I want to start with is what I think when a most pundits, like I call it a mainstream pundit media person or a fan, when they say players have chemistry, what they mean. Okay. And I think it breaks down to two things that they're really measuring here. So, and, and it, it comes down to production and consistency. So that's what people are looking, things you can observe. So they're observing production and, and consistency. And that could be production in, in a couple different, it could be goals. It could be just scoring chances. It could be um, hits or just like a certain type of like forechecking. Yeah. Like a certain type of production of something. And they're, so they're, they're basically producing the thing they're expected to produce on a consistent basis. I think most people, when they talk about chemistry, they're looking for that. Um, mm. Because if you look at um, the the Jofa Lion at its height of power, that was about producing points and goals, and they did it consistently. So therefore, mm. they have a lot of chemistry. There, so, so you have that. Um, but then I think... We need there, there's there's another concept that as we continue the conversation we need to balance out, which is that there's two things. You have chemistry, yes, but you also have teamwork. Okay. Right? So it, this is like a square rectangle deal. Che- chemistry <laughs> is teamwork, but teamwork is not chemistry. So uh, let me give you yes. let me give you an example. Um, right. Yossi and Ellis have chemistry. Okay. okay. Ekholm and Fabro are teammates. They have they work together. They have teamwork. They don't okay. have chemistry. You can just see it in the way they operate. Yeah. So think of so I I want to do. I'm sorry. I have all this explanation out front, but I think we need to get this these some of these foundations yeah. in place. So yeah. when you watch Yossi and Ellis set up a breakout play, they consistently set up effective breakouts that can lead to zone zone presence in the offense offensive zone. Mm-hmm. They do that consistently. It is natural to them. Um, even when 
there's a lot of there's a strong four check from the other team that's really putting pressure on. They can make it happen, and they and they can really read the play, make those decisions, and get things to happen. Echo and Favreau. What do we see a lot? We see not there's, there's a little bit of uncertainty. The, there's more errors that happen. They can get the job done, but it's it, it breaks down under pressure more. So if as chaos builds, they don't adapt as well. They don't adapt as smoothly. They 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 start making errors. They start making mistakes. They can work together well as teammates, but they don't they they don't read things in the same way. Um. And that's what brings me to what my definition of chemistry is, and that'll then I'll shut up for a minute. Um, yeah, go ahead. Which is, you know, chemistry, and I'm going to use some of the same words I use with the, with the fan one. It still is about consistency and production, but ultimately, what it is 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 kind of two related ideas, which is you have players who make similar hockey decisions. Mm-hmm. So they they when they see something they make similar decisions and so they and they know their teammates are making the same decisions or they read the play in the same way. Now these things are overlapping. Mm-hmm. So they see a play evolving, they understand what's happening and they respond. And if these things are happening, the players are going to have really good chemistry because they're reacting in ways that are similar. And if they're reacting in ways that are similar, they're taking chaos out of hockey. And, and, and chaos and hockey is all about chaos management. Yeah. At the end of the day. Um, it's about creating chaos at the right times. It's about decreasing chaos at the right times. Um, and so really that's what I think chemistry is. And I think it's a harder thing to read, um, because we can only observe what's happening, but I think a lot of it's in the heads of the players Yeah. of them saying, okay, here's what the puck's doing. I know I need to go here to pick it up. And another player is like, okay, that's where the puck is going. I know that Arvison is going to do the following thing mm-hmm. and I'm going, so I'm going to go here because I know that this is how, you know, there's all these decisions happening and that's, that's chemistry when yeah. it happens super quick instinctively. Whereas teamwork is more about like systems, you know what you're supposed to do within the system and you execute it, trusting your teammate to also execute it. But there's not, you're not reading the play the same way and making similar decisions consistently. Yeah. So very cerebral. No, that's fine. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a really good way of, of looking at it um, from a from a broad perspective. Because <clears throat> when I define chemistry for for just for any hockey team, I really think about uh, some pretty observable things. And maybe you know, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe I, I might be actually just describing what you called as teamwork and not chemistry, which is possible because i think so much of this is it is kind of ethereal like you can't exactly define it you can't you can't um you can't capture it of course if if you could you you would you would find a way to do that and and you know win the stanley cup well Uh, just i think if a coach can identify chemistry which is i think part of his job yes so i think you're right but the coach's job yeah um so for me it's about it's about having great pass anticipation because so much I mean, the puck moves faster than any player, right? So if, if passes are not working, everything breaks down. If you cannot pass effectively, if you can't lead players into the zone with a pass, if you can't, if you can't read the cycle well and get to where the puck is going to go, if you cannot get to, uh, if you can't pass the puck to where a, a dangerous player is in front in a, in a dangerous zone, if you can't get the puck there, 
um, though all of those passes are just crucial. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. you can't do those; those are crucial. So yeah. any t- any line, and I'm thinking about forwards here. If any forward line that can do all of those things has chemistry in my mind. Um, the little like um, some some of like the cute things that people do, like little backhand passes, no look passes that sometimes Ryan Johansson does, or like spinorama moves that like you know Ryan, Roman Yossi does. The, the, that to me is just more like the individual skill of that player kind of transcending the the the, the combination that he's out there with. It, it's not people look at that and say like, wow, these guys have great chemistry. Look at that no look pass that Ryan Johansson made. To me, that's more about like that player is just really yeah. good at doing things. Well, I think there's a balance there, and I th- and so one, I you're you're getting you're taking kind of my my theoretical and and giving some applied examples. So mm-hmm. I, I think we are describing similar things, just yeah. practical versus versus more theoretical, which is great. Because um, I think I may have been a little too theoretical, but I think what you're describing is is an interesting point because we see a lot of players. It gets frustrating because there's I'm trying to think about who it was. Maybe it was like Wilson, Colin Wilson, or someone else. They're like. We had this point where there was always drop passes. And uh, there was no one ever there to pick them up. Yes, remember, yes. I'm trying to remember who was like the big I think perpetrator it, of that. I, was that. I remember Mike Ribeiro doing that a lot. I'm not talking about Mike Ribeiro. Um, <laughs> even if that was him, I won't. I, yeah, we're not talking about him. I mean, I, um, I do but, think it was him. But, but yeah, there's like, I think we, any Predators fan is like, oh yeah, I remember that point where like <laughs> the team just started doing drop passes, but they would just turn the puck over constantly. Mm-hmm. So I think you're right that, that there's this measure of skill, eliteness with, with certain talents where... You know, you have like Johansson doing draw passes, but where it becomes chemistry, but not just skill, individual skill is, you know, if you're doing a draw pass, especially a blind one, you have to know your teammate is there. That's true. Um, You have to know that someone is going to be there to pick it up. And that teammate has to know that you're, you know, be able to like, oh, this is, this is where Ryan likes to do, likes to have a drop pass. I need Mm -hmm. to cut into the, cut into that position to pick up the pass and know what to do with it next. So chemistry happens when skills align. So maybe I'm expanding my definition because if, if you have to anticipate what that, what the other player is going to do, get in the position and that person has to trust you to be there. Um, and yeah, that, that so, that's a lot of factors going into a drop pass. Yeah. So, so what you just said about skills aligning is an interesting thought because um, it doesn't mean that their skills are the same, right? I mean, like the, if it's 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 strange because you can have a fourth line uh, in which all the players have basically the same kind of skills and they can have chemistry, but then you can have a player like I would say the Ryan Johansson, Phil Forsberg, Victor Arvidsson line has three players with three pretty different skills. I mean, like yeah, they're yeah. they're pretty different players. Yeah, and, and they still been the most effective like expected you know when you look at expected mm-hmm. goal metrics like the, the best one over the past three years now we yeah. can talk about more specifics there but yeah it, yeah exactly i mean so like that that's a line that like has very three different very three very different skills that was a a you know a construct that i mean you have to give peter lobby let some credit there to that he found and was able to to exploit and, and turn it into an off- offensive uh weapon uh, I don't know that anyone, you know, maybe that doesn't even happen on another team. But uh, another example that I think about it. So like there's two lines that come across that come to my mind when I think about like lines with chemistry. One is the Jofa line and the other is uh, a few years back when Colin Wilson, Mike Fisher and James Neal were just dominant in the, the that that one playoff run mm-hmm. uh, against the where they eventually lost to the Sharks in game yeah. seven. Um, 
that was that line was particularly dangerous. I mean, like every single time they went out there, and this has goes to your chemistry. I'm I'm thinking back to it now. It probably was more just teamwork. I mean, like those guys were just uh, really working well uh, in their own skills and and just kind of getting constant yeah. production. There's some things that you look for the classic combinations. So, you know, you talk about that, uh, that Fisher line with Wilson and, and Neal. You have James Neal, pure sniper, shooter, goal scorer, elite level. You have Mike Fisher, who is one of your consummate, like a, a very good two-way forward. I mean, he's a guy who's going to be able, he can play every inch of the ice yeah. effectively. Um, and then you have Colin Wilson, who, I, I mean, you know, he had, he had a varying skill set, but ultimately a big body. You know, so you had a couple guys who could really, like in Fisher and Wilson, who could create a lot of chaos, who also had their own level of real talent with the puck. And then you had a guy who would score. So you have a lot of that, those complementary overlapping skill sets creating effective. Whereas, like, the 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 classic Jofa line, I mean, I was looking it up. I was looking at line combos for the season. And, you know, if you look at the advanced numbers, that Jofa line, you're like, oh, look out, they're, they're dominant. Like, they're dominant every part of the ice except they're shooting 4.5% across the season. Right. So right. they're doing everything right. And, like, their goal share is, like, 36%, where their expected goal share is, like, 55%. Wow. So, I mean, this is a line that, for one reason or another, is ridiculously underperforming. And I just was playing around. Mm-hmm. And so I looked at uh, the most common – or I looked at oh, – I pulled – Forsberg out of that line just to see what happened because the most common combination then is you put Grimaldi on that line with with Johansson and Arvidsson and this is this is it's like the exact opposite in some ways oh wow like they well I mean their goal for I mean it's still a solid line like 50% Corsi and expected goals like over 50% still but they're shooting at 14% wow so I think you then get to this thing of the observation yeah. aspect where people are like, oh, these guys have chemistry. I'm like, well, maybe, but they need to play together more because is 14% across the line sustainable? Is that really how they're playing? Or is mm-hmm. it another one of those classic like Grimaldi magically gets like four goals on five shots over the course of a week and everyone's like, ah, the true Rocco Grimaldi, not the Gr- Rocky Grimaldi who scores nothing for 14 games. Right. Yeah. yeah. It, th- that's, and that's where you get, exactly. That's where you get the sort of illusion that there's been chemistry when, when really it's been a puck luck and you can dive down and you can drill down to the numbers and, and define that almost to the T. So yeah, th- that's a, that's a great point. So I, so let me get your take on this because this is what I think. Um, in, in really thinking honestly about what's been happening with the predators since early March, um, and, and sort of to address the issues that people have with, the returning players from injury. I don't think what we've been seeing on the ice is really chemistry, right? I, I, I don't think that what we've been watching with this team actually winning all these games has been because they, these guys have finally found chemistry. Now you, you can find some examples of that. I think some players have learned maybe what their role is. I mean, I know you don't pr- care for him too much, but Eric Halla has stepped up and he's been playing better. Uh, same thing with Nick cousins. Um, some of the players in elevated roles like Callie Yarncroke, Rocco Grimaldi, you mentioned have been, have been improving their production, but like, I don't think that this ends up in, in chemistry. And there's really two reasons why the first one is that UC Soros is really the main reason that they've been winning all these games. I mean, he has been what, like a nine fifty seven save percentage it, over the last month. Yeah. It's been incredible. I mean, like any team 
except for maybe a couple. <laughs> I could think. I mean, of. Yeah, like like Detroit would not get any better with right. with UC Buffalo probably that. not. That gets a nine fifty seven save percentage over the course of sixteen games is going to win a lot of those games. Yes. Um, and chemistry really doesn't really have a, a whole lot to do that. So that's the main reason. The other reason is because um, I think that it, it, it goes back to what you were saying is that what what we what we think of when we think of chemistry is just is just consistent production. They've been getting it all over the place. I mean, the fourth line is contributing. The third line has been contributing. The the, the top lines have found found some scoring. Victor Arbitson is seems to have re- returned to his you know uh, scoring ways or offensive ways. Um, the defense is jumping up and contributing. Roman Yossi has been you know kind of just on fire. I mean, he's been crazy. He's been really good. I think it's all kind of everyone's everyone's puck luck has elevated a little bit. Everyone's um, production is elevated. And I think, you know, John Hines to his credit has found some combinations that seem to work. Um, I've been very impressed with the, the fourth line um, as, as I think a lot of people have, even with Olivier going like out and Tanner Janot stepping in. What's the nickname for the, is it the herd, the pack? What do they call it? I don't really understand where that came from. I don't, I don't really know. I think they that. just made it up probably like yeah. they decided to brand it, but like, that's that's a line. That, so that's an interesting. I want to I want to mention that that because that's the Trenin line, right? Yeah, is that yeah? yeah that's the Trenin. Trenin Sissons, and it was Olivier. Now it's Geno. Yeah, um, that's an interesting one because uh, they're the expert. Like, because this is where I think chemistry is interesting. Because you have to ask yourself, does that line have chemistry? Now, it depends on... So this is where it goes back to production and expectation. The expectation is that that line is like a bunch... Of, like, maybe this is where the herd came from. I don't know if that makes sense, if it makes sense. But, like, they have, they have like, a pack mentality. They're, like, you know, a bunch of wolves out there. They're attacking mm. things. They're hitting things. They're finishing checks. They're always using bodies. Yeah. Um, and then they have a little bit of... There's a little bit element of skill there as well. Um, and the, the numbers, like their offensive numbers never are, you know, exceptional, like that you really are just kind of like, it's a break even line is what you're exactly. hoping for. A break even um, low event. Yeah. Yeah. But they go out and they do it consistently and they mm. do it reliably and they do their job. So, you know, it's when you get to that point, what I'm wondering, okay, does, do, do these guys have a certain degree of chemistry? Um, or not like given given what their role is and what you expect out of them i would say i mean yeah i mean for for not being like high talent guys like guys who aren't expected to do huge things i mean they have reasonable numbers um they're outperforming their numbers in some noteworthy ways but you know, I see more. There's way more positives overall for me to take from a lower bottom six line that's not like a tertiary or secondary scoring line. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that you know, there's. I don't know about. We can argue whether the replacement of of Geno stepping in over Olivier is is you know affects that. But there's definitely something there that seems to be like a nice pressure release valve for the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I think I think it's an interesting. It's interesting to look at that like grinder line and say, is that chemistry? So I think my take here is that I really don't think that, uh, except for the fourth line, 
I don't think that what we've been seeing this last month has really been due to just uh, an, an explosion of chemistry, by, uh, especially across the forward lines. Explosion of chemistry. An explosion of chemistry. I, I don't think we've seen that. And and so therefore, I don't, I don't think that there's really going to be anything that's going to disrupt by getting certain guys back from injury, like a Matt Duchesne, like Phil Forsberg, especially because if the one line that had chemistry is the fourth line, I don't think any of the guys coming back are going to displace those guys, right? I mean, except for unless it's Olivier, which he he's he was the one that was originally doing that. So um, that line will stay intact. I, I, I would I would expect um, they've been they've been really you know electric for the for the team. Really, I mean, probably one of the best fourth lines on this team I I can remember. I don't even remember. Yeah, it's, um, it's who you compare it to. Yeah, it's not boring and tragic to watch. It's fun. It's when it, when it's fun to watch a fourth line. It's not because they're they're doing something that's like because this is it's not like they're going out there and getting a lot of penalties either. They're it's just, got to be so. I'm sorry, I, I've been meaning to interrupt you, but I, I was just going to say it's got to be so great for Jakob Trenin to finally have this chance. This dude, this dude was drafted six years ago, 2015, second round draft pick. Just spent so long in the the minor league system of this organization. Just yeah. Honing his game, he's 24 years old, and and you, you there were times where he was like, I don't know if they're ever really gonna give this guy a chance. And man, he is just he's really. Well, it, I think he's the key to that. It's too yeah. It's this is the, the classic bottom six thing is you could be like a great bottom six player but never get a chance because it's so easy to accumulate bottom six contracts. Uh huh. I mean, you do it by accident sometimes. Yeah, so I, I, I'm. It's got to be really great for for Jakob Trenin. Um, I, I think that guy is. Uh, I think he's got he's got something special in terms of like his his ability to just like kind of kind of turn it on and and just be a, a ferocious beast yeah. of, a, of a hockey player. He's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, so that'll be that'll be great. And and he by the way he's a he's a UFA or not a UFA but an RFA. So they've yeah. got a wait, isn't he? Is am I wrong in that? Isn't he an RFA? I think he is. Um, if yeah, if not, sure. it's coming up. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's coming up on, on it because he is 24. Yakov Trenin is... Because uh, he'll be on his left RFA contract before his... Um, oh, no, he has he has one more year. He's, he's signed through oh, next year. year. He's an oh, okay. RFA in 2022. Oh, so, interesting. Okay. Uh, anyway, so, uh, yeah, that, that's my take. I don't think that... Uh, so pe- people that are worried, like, oh, well, when Matt Duchesne gets back, he's going to displace somebody which in in reality all he's displacing is Callie Yarncroke. I mean that's Callie Yarncroke's the guy that got more minutes when that Matt Duchesne went out. And same thing for, for Phil Forsberg, like you just pointed out, is yeah. Rocco Grimaldi got more minutes. So he's just his minutes are gonna go down. Um uh, but no one is suggesting Philip Forsberg shouldn't play. I mean No, I, I mean I think I think Forsberg and Duchesne are naturally meant to be together. Um, the one I'd question to... would be would be defensively, you know <laughs> The, the the elephant in the room like does Dante Fabro come back and, and play on this team like I I don't know I mean should he yeah, uh, well I mean yeah but play him on the third pairing <laughs> yeah don't you don't don't play him up higher I mean he just hasn't earned it I mean on on, on ice play I, everyone knows how hard he works I don't want to disparage his work effort because sure. that seems to be his primary I think you I would. Know, it would make sense if you have if you have Yossi with uh, Jeremy Davies that they've had some combination, and you had Elkholm and Ellis, a good combination, 
And then, yeah, yeah, Fabro on the bottom pairing with whoever else you want to put out there. Harper, Good Branson, I guess. You know, whatever. Oh, I'm sorry. I just had this vision of, and I know they play the same. They both play on the right side, but just a, a Benning Fabro bottom pairing. I'm just, I like Benning. I think <laughs> Benning is 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 a good bottom pairing defenseman, all things considered. Like, you know, you could you do better? Sure. Could you do worse? A hell of a lot worse. Mm-hmm. Um, but like those guys, like the number of miscued passes between those two would would reach comedic levels. I think. Yeah, um, there's there's definitely something to to work on with that with that unit. Um, the top four is really more important, and I I'm I'm pretty sure that you know Jeremy Davies came you know, sat yes on Saturday's game to to make room for Eric Branson, something that I think was probably a mistake. Um, I don't think Jeremy Davies. I think that it should have been Harper. I'm should have been Harper that sat instead of uh, Good Branson. I'm sorry, instead of Davies. Sorry. I mean, could you, um, could you a, a NHL team in the year of 2021 is icing Ben Harper and Eric Branson at the same yeah, time? That's a, yeah, I and mean, they, they actually they actually didn't have a terrible game, but th- that is walking a razor edge with that with that pairing. Yeah, yeah, I, like I still remember. I don't remember where it was. It might have been on Reddit on the Predators subreddit. A Senators fan hopped in and said, "Man, I it's like I really hope you guys don't have to play Eric Branson." Like a yeah. Senators fan felt it necessary to go and say, I'm so right. sorry. <laughs> and so, I mean, that's from a team that's so bad that they, that, that, that they just even look at good Branson and say like, what? Yeah. Like they've given, like they, that's, that fan base gave up before the season started. Yeah. It, and look, if, they if, still felt bad about it. If good Branson plays every game, the rest of the se- rest of the season, I would be surprised. Yeah. I mean, they gave if a zero plays, game, who cares, but it's still like, yeah, if if he plays a third of the games, I might be surprised too. I th- I think he'll play pretty sparingly. Um, I I mean I think he'll probably play this week against Chicago, maybe even Monday. I don't know, mm-hmm. but um, I don't think he's going to be like a staple moving forward unless there's some major not. injury issue. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, I, I mean they they played him Saturday because they just traded for the guy. They want to trade. They want to play him. They want to see what he's got. I think it was a mistake to pair him with Ben Harper, but um. So uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It, 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 just to wrap it up, I guess. I mean, are, are you are you thinking that this team has a chemistry issue on the horizon with the returning players that are coming back from injury? No, I mean, I think there's. I, I think the what what the injuries have allowed to happen is for some experimentation. For example, like I think Yarncroke, Grandlin, and Arvidsson actually <laughs> is a really interesting line, and they've been yeah. really effective. Um, in that. You know, they haven't put a ton of time together, but that's like that's a good two way line with with just a with a with a shotgun on the side. Like cause you cause Yarncroak and and Granlin can play both ends of the ice, mm-hmm. but they both have good offensive upside, especially Granlin. And then yeah. you throw Arvidsson, who's just going to be gunning away every chance you get. A cannonball that, into the offensive yeah, zone. Yeah, like they've been really good, and they're only shooting at something like seven and a half percent, which is super sustainable, if not room for improvement. Yeah, just for by a percentage point, maybe. Sure. Um, I mean, you know, a question is: is can can a Tolvanen play with? Uh, you know, what happens if you put Tolvanen up with uh, uh, Duchesne and, and and Forsberg? Can you mm-hmm. make that work? Because um, well, I, I think you know, they should. But no, I don't I think, think there's a problem. I think there's some fun questions. I think they should go back to Tolvanen and Forsberg, Johansson, which was a, a really. Oh, I'm sorry. I said Duchesne. I meant. I meant. Oh uh, yeah. yeah I'm sorry. I misspoke. Yeah. Du- yeah. Uh, uh, I'm not sure that yeah the second line will be I, I had a I had it all written out uh, in a tweet that I I 
sent out a few days ago. I don't even remember what I said, but I had I had a, one solution that I think made a lot of sense. And I think it was Duchesne, Granlund, and Arvidsson, and then Tolvin and Forsberg, Johansson. I think that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and then I, I at this point I would treat Halla and Cousins as just like handcuffs. I mean, start one of them sit the other i don't even care which one um, i think they, i think cousins is is easily the superior player but i i would, I would agree with that yeah i mean hollis played better recently but i would agree with that and so you you start one of them sit the other one don't start both of them um uh have them be a, a third line anchor uh, you know if you want to call it that and then with grimaldi and cunning i guess luke cunning <clears throat> yeah i yeah kind of is I, I forget he's on the team sometimes <laughs> i'll be honest I think he's pretty good. I, I've been. Yeah, playing... no, it's the that's the thing. It's like he's, he's also not young. He's playing, he's not playing poorly. I just mm-hmm. like he's just he has some really anonymous games. I mean, that's probably why he's he was considered kind of a he kind of burned out in Minnesota. Is he just has like he's got talent? It's obvious, but he just gets he just turns really anonymous, and his offensive talent isn't enough to cover up his mm-hmm. anonymity that he experiences on a consistent. He's shooting basis. right. He he's or not shooting, but he's his points per game is right at his career. His point his career 0. 0.40 points per game. He's at 0. 0.41. So like he's yeah. basically doing exactly kind of what they thought. Yeah. And, I mean and if, part, and if it I, you know honestly if it wasn't for like a what a three or four game stretch he probably wouldn't be there because he had yeah six I mean, I, five I, games or know, something. I think if it rolls in if the Predators roll into the offseason in in enter rebuild mode, you know, you could probably, you know, trade him for some like a like a you know some roster player or two mm-hmm. um or like something just because you know, he, you might be able to get more out of him on the trademark than you're going to get out of him on the ice for a season when you're entering a rebuild. But right. You know, you get still, have, you know, who knows? All right. Chemistry. Okay. We didn't have any PowerPoint presentations on potassium involved. Can, but... can we just end, can we uh, end this entire episode with just um, chemistry calisthenics <laughs> by black delicious? Can you, can you just edit that onto the end of this and we just transition to that? Would we have to pay for that? Um, are we, are we popular enough to play for pay for that? <laughs> are we going to get not. in trouble? Probably I mean, I'll, not. I'll like, I'll, 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 I don't know. Is gift of gab on, uh, on, on Twitter. I'll just, I'll just beg forgiveness maybe. <laughs> so, uh, the, the predators have three games this week against Chicago. Uh, a, a lot of people think this could, this could essentially define the season, uh, if they make the playoffs or not. Um, it's a team that they can beat. They've beat before. Uh, they've also lost to them. I think, I don't know what their season record is. I'll pull it up in a second, but they got Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Um, I was thinking a second ago that it just, it feels very weird that, you know, they're playing a three, you know, three games this week against Chicago. Here it is mid to late April and it's not playoffs, but it almost feels like playoffs. It's like, mm-hmm. this is so strange. It's like, this is like a little mini play, like an actual playoff series that's happening right here. Yeah, very strange. Um, it is very strange, but that's, I mean, that's, everything's very strange right now, still. What is their record against Chicago? I, I just had it. Okay, Chicago, they've, oh, they're 5-0 they're and oh against Chicago, okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there we go. Pretty well. We'll, we'll see, we'll see how, we'll see what Eric, Eric uh, Goodbranson's record against Chicago is this year. <laughs> they did two, they had two games that went into overtime, um, but yeah, okay, so they're 5-0 they're and oh against Chicago, they, they need to, they need to make it 8-0 and oh if they really want to. If they lose one of these games, it's not the end of the world. But um, they can't. No. They can't lose all three. But uh, yeah, I mean, and next week will be like um, when we come together next Sunday. It's going to be like the great 
Poyle judging because you know he's he just he yep. put his heart in everything he's like i went with my heart instead of my head on this and like they went they you know since the trade deadline i think what since the trade deadline are they one and two or are they three are they no they're yeah are they one and two since the trade deadline since that, the trade deadline passed they're one and two yeah yeah they're one and two so you know not not great so let's see how the rest mm-hmm. of it goes because i mean it, if they if they have a rough weeks for some whatever reason we're gonna have a very interesting conversation Mm-hmm. <laughs> about about the predators at the, at the trade deadline for sure um all right so uh that's going to do it for us today uh you can check out all of our hockey coverage at a to z sports nashville.com you can follow me on twitter at alex darty one follow link on twitter at 3d link uh do you have any final thoughts today i have a i have one final thought but I no, what's your final thought my final thought is that how crazy is it that pecorine has played only three times in the in a month and like no one's really talking about it. I mean, it makes sense because UC Soros has been so good, but he's played three times in four weeks. It's like people forgot that this guy's on the team. I can tell you one thing about that. I can tell you that that the moms on Facebook are furious about it. <laughs> um, if you if you were mad. in if you were in the Pecorine mom fan groups, you would know this, Alex. Get plugged into the yeah. fan base. Yeah, the the Facebook moms on yeah yes, you are absolutely right. They are livid. <laughs> gathering ammo ready ready to fight for their guy they they i think that they have i'm not even sure how many of those people watch the games i think they just love certain players and they just love i mean he's an attractive guy he's very nice they've probably met him at a training camp or something they've probably they've probably they see they see him on every everything he's the face of the franchise for so long but like and then they just like might tune into a game and then have no concept of like you know the fact that UC Soros is the better goalie right now and just be like, well, why is he not out there? Well, you know, I I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I always like to give people the benefit of the doubt, and I I imagine they're big watchers. I just think you know you you kind of get behind your guy and you want them to play. I mean, like I I so believed for a long time that Colton Sissons had something special. Um, <laughs> A long time, and I've been very disillusioned of it now. But I'm always like, no, play, give Sissons a shot there. And it was always like, no, foiled again. Um, <laughs> you know, I was just wrong. Uh, I was just flat out wrong. Um, so I, you know, I get where that comes from. I don't know how wrong you were. Colton Sissons he, is not bad. No, but he's. I thought he had another level. Like I thought there was something. I thought he oh. could he could be like a second liner. Got it. He can't. <laughs> he's, he's not there. <laughs> So anyways, Pecorine still technically on the team. He's only played a, a few times in the last month, so it's pretty crazy. It's just I just realized that. Like, I mean, Pecorine was like all we talked about for a decade on this team, and mm-hmm. now he's just like kind of there. It's pretty yeah. strange. Uh, did you have, did you have a final thought? No, all my thoughts are with the Facebook moms. <laughs> okay. I just yeah. I know what they're go- I know they're having a tough time, and I just wanted to know that that you know Renee probably really appreciates them, and and you know he, he values your support. Thank you. All right, thanks to the moms. Thanks to the moms on Facebook. Uh, we'll see everyone next week. 